coming up on today's full moon episode of the Dreamers Den podcast. Creative energy is interesting. Some people would say, oh, it's the throat chakra, which is also your area of expression. Some people would say, well, no, it, it is the root or the second chakra because that's what, what you're bringing in, right, from your, that place of empowerment. But I really look at it as a, as a bigger dynamic. So sometimes like the solar plexus might work with the throat chakra. Let's say someone is having a difficult interpersonal relationship and they're feeling like they don't really have a voice in something. That can be an expansive, creative synergy that happens when someone is empowered to speak up for themselves. That's my guest, Kelly Lydic, dream worker, author, and life coach. You'll hear my whole conversation with her here in a minute. If you're listening to this the day it comes out on the full moon, March 28th, 2021, Doors are still open today for new members in the Dreamers Den membership community. You're welcome to try it out for 30 days and see if this is an enriching thing in your life, which I believe that it will be. But if it's not, I'll refund you for that first month. So just come and give it a try. You'll get every month's bonus podcast episode, a live dream group call you can attend if you'd like to, a monthly prompt or invitation for engaging with your dreams from a new angle, and an online forum where we explore dreams and our responses to the invitation and our creative work that's inspired by our dreams. I'd love to have you there. So come to thedreamersden.org and click membership to learn more and sign up. And if you're listening to this after the full moon, you can still come to thedreamersden.org and click membership and get on the wait list to be the first to know when doors open up again. You're going to get to hear today Kelly's story, how she got into dreams, and what she has come to understand about dreams and creativity. And we will talk about one of my dreams, which you'll hear us mostly explore through the lens of colors, because Kelly loves to work with colors in dreams and think about the energetics of the chakras. So these are similar to but not identical to the ways that I work with colors through the lens of classical Chinese medicine. I've done a little bit of dream work in real time on the podcast before on my own dreams and similar to other times I've noticed that it is a bit challenging to really sink into that space of exploring a dream for what unexpected things might be there to arise for me and also still holding the space to make this an interesting podcast for all of you. So we get to a couple of important things about the dream during the conversation, but Kelly and I went a little bit deeper into it after we stopped recording. And I also explored this dream in the Dreamers Den membership community in the online forum and got a few more ahas there. So I'll share more with you about the dream after I finish playing you the conversation with Kelly. Here it comes. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. 
Visit thedreamersden.org open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Kelly Lydic. Kelly holds an MA in writing and consciousness, and she is certified in meditation, optimal healing environments, and music therapy and sound healing. She's also certified as a gateway dreaming coach, a life coach, and a Reiki master. Kelly's the author of many articles and of two books, one of which is called Dream Incubation for Greater Self-Awareness. And her experience guiding dreamers in using dream incubation is what first brought her to my attention. And as you know, I absolutely love dreams as a source for creative inspiration. And this is also something dear to Kelly. She teaches creative writing workshops and also offers personal growth workshops and private sessions. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Kelly. Thank you, Leilani. I'm so happy to be here. I'd love to ask you first, when and how you realized that dreams mattered to you? Wow. Um, good question. I love that question. Dreams really have their root for me. Like when I was a teen, I started really getting into creative writing and dreams kind of at the same time. Um, going into high school, I had uh, read a book called Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, and that really changed my perception of literature. And mm. his, um, his images are very, he borders on the surreal, you know, some people call him a magical realist, some people um, call him a science fiction writer, I think it depends on who you ask. But when I read his work, I, I read it and felt that it was very dreamlike. And so I got very kind of turned on to this language that he was using, the syntax and how words were arranged on the page because it evoked a very dreamlike experience. And I think I started to pay more attention to my dreams then. And I started to journal my dreams and journal them regularly. And I started to, to realize that there were some patterns there. Even, you know, even at that young age, I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And this is such a cool process. And it wasn't until much later then, many years later after um, going through college and you know, finishing high school, but going through college and then uh, going into graduate school um, and then going into the Gateway Dreaming program, you know, all along the way, I, there were kind of these breadcrumbs <laughs> of information and, and knowledge that I think was accumulating along the way. And by the time I got to the Gateway Dreaming certification program, I started really being able to, you know, synthesize my own knowledge and be able to create um, different uh, patterns of analysis and different ways of seeing and different filters and, and using those things to help people analyze their own dreams. And so when I said, it was just by chance actually that I saw the Gateway Dreaming certification program and I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have wow. to do this. You know, it was, it was a very synchronistic moment for me. Um, oh. Yeah, really cool. And so kind of the rest is history from there. Um, right before that, I'd published my first book and then um, I had continued on uh, doing some of my studies and my other professional certifications. And now I just kind of, um, I blend some modalities, if you will, to create what is optimal for my client or for a workshop participant to get at uh, the information that we're looking to get at, which is usually subconscious. Sometimes it's creative material. Um, and looking at the dreams, we're really looking to gain self-knowledge, I think, is what everybody's really after, right? Yeah, yeah. 
do you do you still remember any of those early patterns that you noticed? I feel like as you you know go through a journey like this, sometimes looking back at what first drew us in sort of holds true or sheds light on the whole journey. I'm just curious if you remember any from the from the early days of paying attention to dreams. That's a really good question. And you know what? I, I don't know if I'm proud or embarrassed to admit, I still have all those journals. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- you know, I haven't looked at them though. I mean, they're boxed up and they're, you know, they're packed away. Um, but I did hold on to them and I, I know that one day I will go back to them. I don't remember like the specifics of the dreams, but I remember that part of the reason why I came up with the, one of my signature workshops was just write. Sometimes I call it writing the dream or in different, different places. I call it writing the dream time. It's uh, one of the workshops that I had taught uh, for the IASD back in a couple years ago at Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this workshop, I really modeled, I think after those patterns, which, which stuck with me in that the dreams really do follow um really the hero's journey, right? We've heard that before. We've, we've read Joseph Campbell and people have talked about that. And there are books that, that talk about and research that discusses how the brain is hardwired for story, the pattern of story, right? This character arc. And um, I don't know if I would say necessarily as granularly as the three acts, but certainly, right? Even we're looking at Plato and Aristotle who are, are solidifying ideas about how literature is told. And I think that's because when we look at it sociologically or anthropologically, we are seeing how the brain works and we're seeing how we are indeed looking at story. That is how we comprehend the world. And so I I think at that early age, um, I was keen on that and I was aware of it. And those are the patterns that I think I was really honing when I was journaling those dreams at an early age. Mm -hmm. And what's gateway dreaming all about? Can you give us a little background on that? Yeah. So gateway dreaming, that was, that was the certification program that I, that I happened to find just by, by synchronicity and happenstance. Um, I was certified by Denise Lynn, who, who is, uh, she's, you know, she's written dozens of books at this point. Um, she's typically a Hay House author, I believe. Um, but she is, uh, how can I describe Denise? I mean, she's magical in her own way. Um, mm. She is, she has Native American roots. And so I think she really comes from a place of being connected to the earth and being connected to soul and the core of who we are, you know? And I think, you know, in the Native American traditions, we look at that and the shamans and the healers, they were the ones who were analyzing the dreams, really. Yeah. That was, that was the gateway. In other words, (laughs) I think that's why she came, came up with that name. Mm. That was the gate, you know, that was the gateway to, to the healing process or to the metaphysical world or to other dimensions. And her program really discusses ways of kind of entering that space and how to facilitate that for others so that they can look at their own dreams and gain meaning and insight and um, use it as a pattern of of self-inquiry um, what I talk about in my book, uh, the dream incubation book is really about coming up with a dialogue. It's kind of like you're, you're engaging your subconscious mind, right. In a dialogue to reveal to you kind of what's going on in there. So we can bring it to the conscious level, you know, get it out of the shadows, bring it into the consciousness and then work with it from there. Yeah. There's so many tracks I want to go down from everything you just said. I, there's a lot. I, I love dream incubation. I, I very much feel like I'm in uh, an ongoing conversation with my yeah. dreams. Yeah. Um, but b- 
before we go into that, I'm curious, I'm always curious about people's take on dream work and dreams and what comes to us through our dreams in terms of not only that deeper self-understanding and self-discovery and growth, but also you mentioned, you know, being connected to the earth and the shamanic approach to dreams. And I'm curious what you see in terms of, are we getting promptings and communications from the whole ecosystem, you know, and Mm. from other than our own subconscious mind? I'm just feeling into that question as I'm like taking a deep breath and feeling into that. The answer is yes. But I feel like, I feel like what I want to say in response to that intuitively is like the earth is always sending us signals. And the question is really, are we listening? Um, And, and, you know, we could look at the differences between, you know, modern life and, you know, pre-colonial life and, and look at how, the psyche has been impacted. And I think that that would speak volumes. Um, so, so part of, I think what going back to the dreaming landscape is about, is about kind of communing with that again and knowing that when we do, it's because we're a part of that ecosystem. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I feel very similarly. Like we can't but be hearing from all this whole interconnected web of life of which we are a part. Right, right. But again, I think the question is like, are we listening? Yes. Is anyone listening? Who is? What are they saying? What are they, right? And how are we using that information? Are we using it to help move things along in a, a positive way? I think maybe sometimes yes and sometimes no, honestly. <laughs> but I think we're getting better at it. And I think that with with time, I think people have gotten more attuned and I see that that trend is growing. So that brings me a lot of hope and a lot of optimism around like where we're going, you know, in the next 50 or hundred years as, as a species. Yeah, me too. I think that trend is really growing and the, I have, I mean, maybe this is simply faith, but it's also my observed impression is that the, the impulse within our dreams is the same as within our bodies and within the ecosystem around us. And it's the impulse to live and thrive and have things come back into harmony and work better and, and sustain life. So it's interesting what you say about how are we using that information? Because I guess I feel like it's inherently helpful. Although as human beings, we are pretty good at um, (laughs) doing things that aren't so helpful to ourselves. So overcomplicating things sometimes when it doesn't, doesn't need to be complicated. <laughs> that might be a different conversation about, you know, ego versus yeah. <laughs> higher yeah. self or spirit, but <laughs> that, you know, it crosses into the, the dream dreamscape too. Cause I think a lot of times what, what happens or what is revealed too, even, even if it's buried some, you know, a piece of information that's buried in the subconscious that we reveal through a dream there's still pieces that are coming together in a holistic way, right? Mm-hmm. So either we're dealing with something at the ego level that we're trying to work out or we're getting a message from the higher self or, right? So I think it depends on the context of the dream and um, not just the elements of the dream as they're contextualized within the dream, but also the context of the dream to the waking life. Right. Um, and where that, where that falls in terms of its placement. Can we also go to some reflections on creativity and, and 
that creative energy that's coming to us all the time through our dreams. I know this is something you're excited about, and I'm curious to hear maybe how it's played into your writing and also how you've been able to support other writers or creative people of all kinds yeah. through dream work. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's a good question. Um, boy, where do I start? Because I feel like that's a big one. <laughs> um, cre- let me start with creativity and the way that I view creativity. That might give us okay. a good, good anchor. Great. Because um, I think that most people just by maybe I'll say habit, maybe we think of creativity in terms of like, oh, look at that beautiful painting. Or isn't that a nice piece of music? Or, um, oh, I just saw this beautiful play, right? So we kind of, the brain sort of naturally categorizes creativity in terms of like, what is the productive output? Mm-hmm. Right? What did that creative process yield in the end? It yielded a piece of music or it um, created a painting, right? But I think when we approach the intersection of dreams and creativity, and also when we look at just energy, right? In terms of this, I mean, this kind of goes into the chakras too, but when we look at these things together, we're really looking at creativity on that broader scope, which is more of an inclusive process of taking in information, analyzing it, synthesizing it, and creating something new, right? And so I really think of it as an ebb and flow or kind of like the movement of the breath, the in and out kind of pulsation, right? Mm, creativity, creativity is this expansive, it's an, right? That's why people get excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, because you, you can, you immediately go into this creative space. It's a, it, energetically, it is expansive. And so most people are, are naturally drawn to that expansive feeling uh, because yep. it feels good. But there's an ebb and a flow to it too, right? There's a constriction or a contraction that happens through the analysis. And then we go back out and we kind of synthesize things and we make something new. So it very much is like the breath, this ebb and flow, the expansion and the contraction process. And so we're not just looking at creativity in terms of output then, we're really looking at it more in terms of what is the process Mm -hmm. of creativity instead of focusing on the end result. And I think with that in mind, we find the parallel in our dreams because the dreams follow kind of that same pattern, right? There's an ebb and flow. We have a breathing in, we have a breathing out, we have nightmares, we have lucid dreams. We have, you know, wherever these things fall in your personal context, right? We have dreams that feel scary or are constrictive in nature. And then we have dreams that are really expansive, the dreams of flying, right? Or (laughs) you're, you're in a hot air balloon and then suddenly you're in a lucid dream, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that we see these things happen, but I also think that when we then sort of put the next layer over that and we look at it in terms of, right, that hero story or um, almost like a literature analysis, we look at the construction of the story as a narrative, then I think we get some interesting insights from Mm -hmm. that. I look at dreams in, when I look at dreams in the context of creativity and I I blend that with the creative writing process we're really looking at the story arc in two layers right your waking life level and then your dream level and when I map these out um, in my workshop really what we're kind of looking at is sort of this weaving it's a weaving pattern kind of either like a double helix or like an infinity but it just kind of goes on where the life level is sort of this these nice arcs on the top right? That kind of bubble up one after another. 
and the dream level story arcs bubble kind of in a downward, right? And so they're sort of mirror images like yin and yang where they intersect. And the points of intersection then I think become the points of creativity. Wow, what a cool image. That's you like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was trying to describe it. I, I should have given you maybe, um, I could have given you a visual, I suppose, but. Um, oh yeah, I'll have to see that. See if it matches what I'm imagining, but that's very cool. Do you have, do you have any um, examples maybe where that sort of waking life narrative and the dream narrative are interacting? Mm. Yeah, I love that. So I was working with a client I think it was last week in one of my sessions. And I just loved this dream. And I remember being in the session with her, you know, and I, and I take notes during all of my sessions so that if we have to go back or, you know, there's an aha moment, you know, I don't want to lose any of that. I don't want the client to lose any of that. So I take diligent notes in my sessions. And <laughs> I was working with, it was, it's a woman, a female, female client um, who was working on, in her waking life, working on, themes of um, safety and security, empowerment, um, feeling like there was confidence and direction and purpose in what she was doing. And which for me is interesting too, as the coach for her, because I think of that client and she is a very, I mean, she's a very strong person. She's a, you know, very, I see her as very strong. I think sometimes the context is not feeling very strong and not feeling very confident, right? For various mm -hmm. reasons. So she starts to tell me about a dream that she had with um, a being, another being. And this, this thing was kind of like holding her hands or holding her wrists and, and constraining her arms. You know, she was constrained. And, there, and this dialogue took place. You can't do that. You know, this creature was telling her, you cannot do that. And she was dialoguing with the creature. Oh, yes, I can. You better believe I can. Absolutely. Hmm. So we see this dichotomy, right, already. The, we see the confident woman on the one side, and we see this other constrictive being saying, mm -mm -mm. you know, for whatever reason, uh, when we analyzed it, that was the, um, the kind of the voice of self-doubt. But it was so funny because as she's telling me the dream and I'm taking diligent notes in my mind, I'm going, okay, please say red, please say red, right? <laughs> I totally, I, like, I know where she's coming from. I know exactly what this dream is about. So she tell, cause when she was telling me, she wasn't telling me about any of the colors. Uh -huh. We got to the end of the narrative arc of, of the dream. And, and then we, I said, okay, let me go back. I have some questions. Let me start at the beginning. Here are my questions. And what colors do you see? And she says, you know, in my mind, I'm going, please say red, please say red. She says, well, this person or this being or whomever this other person was who was constraining her arms and her hands, their skin was red. Wow. And so <laughs> I just got a chill as, as I said that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, yes, I totally get this. Let me, let me walk her through this process, right? Because I could already see and I could already kind of decode knowing her waking life context and knowing, knowing what, what was going on in this dream, you know? And so when we look at that in terms of the chakras, right? We look at the first chakra, which is color is red. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at anger and we're looking at strength and we're looking at um, sometimes issues of money and finances, being safe and secure, being rooted in the world, feeling like you are rooted in your body, um, feeling like you can be present in the immediate moment, present moment awareness. Um, 
feeling grounded. And so all of these themes, right, of this first chakra, which is red, are coming through the skin color of this creature who's, who is constraining her. And so as we talked through it, it, you know, it was very obvious, you know, part of her, she was in conflict with herself and part of her was feeling very confident and very secure and very um, rooted in her own body and in her own experiences. You know, that was the part of her that was saying, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And the other, you know, the other part, which was the self-doubt coming through, which was activating that red color skin, activating that first chakra you know, kind of alerting her of some fear that she was having around feeling safe and feeling secure and feeling confident, you know, in life. And so um, as we talked through it, it made sense to her because contextually the waking life is, is sort of mirroring that. And so we saw that very directly and very um, obviously, I think, <laughs> in the dream symbolism of that, that particular one. Yeah, it was pretty profound. It was awesome. <laughs> And I, I don't know if you can share this much from her so we can go in more general terms, but was there any movement from that sort of, I don't know, reconciliation or integration or whatever we would call it with the red skinned figure and that fear? Did that, did that uh, recognition help move things into a different state? I think so. I think by the end of that session, that was just literally last week, but by the end of that session, there was an awareness around that. And so yeah. I'm excited to, to have the next session, you know, and to hear back from her how, because usually in my, in my coaching sessions, like we set up, um, I don't want to really call them goals necessarily, but we set up kind of checkpoints of um, accountability and intention. I've, maybe a, that's a better word. We set up, set up intention. And so um, at the end of each session, we say, okay, this is what we're working on for the next two weeks, you know, enact those things in the waking life and journal, make your aha moments known to your journal. Don't forget them. Don't let them slip by journal your dreams alongside those things. And then when, when we reconvene, we'll see how things unfolded from that awareness. So it is, I think what you're intuiting is that it is an iterative process for sure, the way that I work and the way that I coach people. And so when we come to an aha moment, if you will, then we build on that, right? Now the, now the level of awareness has expanded to be inclusive of whatever was contained in that aha moment. And then mm -hmm. we move it along to the next step. Yeah. So that, that is the iterative part of it. Yeah. I, I'm sure knowing this particular client, she's very astute. She's very, um, in tune, she's made very rapid progress. So I expect, you know, to hear from her positively next time, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. exciting. That makes it fun too, right? Because it yeah. feels productive and, and very valuable and useful. Yeah. And there's something so full of potential, I feel like in that image, because for me, as I imagine it, there's a lot of um, trapped energy in those wrists and arms being held and yeah. the skin being red almost feels like about to explode too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. There's a big sense of potential to me there. Yeah. 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 Really cool. So I had, I had this dream that I was thinking about sharing with you today because I know you love dreams with colors and I, now I really want to share it because it's also reds and also uh, one other figure who's not fully identified, but kind of counter to me. So anyway, it just feels pretty um, like an interesting pair for the one you just shared. Please. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Okay, so so this dream, it's actually a few months old, but okay. um, it came to me for this. So, so I'm in the passenger seat 
and a small older woman with long gray hair is in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And she's driving me along a road near my childhood home. And we're heading the direction that we'd go um, from my elementary school toward home. Mm -hmm. And right away, I can tell that she's not used to being in the driver's seat. And Mm -hmm. I'm also disoriented by being in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. And the passenger side seems to be going awfully close to the trees on the side of the street. They're scraping Mm. at the side of the car Mm -hmm. and it's open. Like there's no windshield, like a, like a Jeep where it's just the frame. Mm -hmm. And so I keep feeling like the tree branches are about to whip me in the face Mm -hmm. and all along the ground are these red and orange tulips that are big and just gorgeous. But then they're looming up in front of us as we drive. And I keep feeling like I'm going to get hit by all these branches and leaves and tulips. And so I duck my head against Mm -hmm. my knees and hold my legs because I feel like, well, if I contain myself fully within the vehicle, Mm -hmm. at least then I won't get hit because she's sure to steer the vehicle away from all those things. Okay. End of dream. Okay. I'm just gonna feel into it and then I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. Okay. Okay. So were you able to see the older woman's face or was it, was it sort of a blur to you? Do you know who that one was? I don't know who she is. She vaguely reminds me of a woman that I knew um, in a town where I used to live, but it's a vague association. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't really see her that clearly. Okay. And then you mentioned um, a second figure that you weren't sure about, but I didn't Oh yeah. No, just that's her like that, that she's not so clearly identified. I just know. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned that she had long gray hair and that the tulips were red and orange. Mm -hmm. Could you see the green of the trees? Yes. Yes. The trees are green and they're, they're conifers actually. They're like junipers, which is Hmm. what I live near now and don't grow in where I grew up. Okay. And were there any other colors anywhere else? I think that's, that's them. So her gray hair, the green trees and the red and orange tulips. Okay. Were you able to see the color of the vehicle at all? I know you were inside the vehicle, but could you tell from there what color it was on the exterior? No. No. Okay. Why did you feel like you wanted to contain yourself fully in the vehicle? Because I didn't feel like she knew how to drive with enough distance from all these things. They were whipping the side of the vehicle. But if I was well within it, then Mm -hmm. like I trusted that she wouldn't fully crash the whole vehicle into anything. So if I was well within it, I wouldn't get hit by something. Okay. That was the question that I was going to ask next. Um, Because the first thing that comes up to you is like, how well do you trust this woman? And it's kind of I'm hearing you say kind of on the fence, like you didn't think she was going to fully crash the vehicle, but you also did not fully trust her enough not to get hit by these other. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so there's not totally an element of trust there. Um, The red and the orange. So when we look at red again, like, like in the other client's dream, we're really looking at issues of survival and um, issues of, confidence, feeling secure in the world, feeling secure in present moment. Um, you know, your, your relative kind of uh, strength in your own empowerment, right? 
Mm -hmm. um, but then when we kind of move up to the second track or orange, that's really more of the personal empowerment um, chakra. So we could kind of say that red is more about like primal survival, right? And orange is more about your personal empowerment in terms of um, how you go out into the world, right? So red is kind of how the world comes into you. Out is how you go out into, or, I'm sorry, orange is how you go out into the world, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So you kind of have a little bit of both, right? You have the red and the orange tulips. Um, and you, the word that you use was gorgeous, which is telling too. So that tells me that you're feeling um, in, I'll say in alignment with the positive aspects of, of the red and the orange. Mm -hmm. um, the gray of the hair is interesting because sometimes gray is gray and sometimes gray is white. So, mm. right. So when, when we're looking at least at, at an, an older person or an older character, um, with gray, it can be sometimes like the unknown. There's sort of an ambiguity there. With the white, sometimes we really look at it as on, on the level of like pure physics, right? You remember the prism where you break up the white light and it becomes the rainbow. Yeah. So we can look at it either as uh, some unknown, which, which can be commingled with some fear, or we can look at it as all encompassing with the full spectrum. Wow. For yeah. you, I feel, right? So for you, I feel like, and I feel like what this dream is saying is there is some fear because there is sort of a lack of trust. What's interesting to me is what you said though at the beginning, you were not used to being in the passenger seat and she was not used to being in the driver's seat. Right. So there was some kind of right off scene, I'll say, <laughs> right. To use, yeah. use a stage, stage yeah. off scene. There must've been some agreement that we didn't see. Mm -hmm. between these two people that now we have one woman in the driver's seat who's not usually there and you in the passenger seat. So even though we don't see that as part of the scene of the dream, we know that to be true because we know that this dream is playing out in the way that it is. Yeah. So that gives another layer of the trust element, right? You didn't hold, totally trust her, but you trusted her enough to let her take the wheel. Yeah. The tree branch and the trees themselves, even if they were, um, you know, more of a needle, a conifer, as you say, the juniper is more of a needle than a broad leaf, right? Mm -hmm. Green is really the heart chakra. And the heart chakra is, is really the core and the center of the body. And it's from which, which point from which we all emanate, right? Um, it can be love, it can be harmony, it can be balance, it can be peace. It's the center of compassion. Um, it's, it's also the other side of that is how we are um, loving ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So just as the red and the orange were kind of this, this interplay between going out and, uh, to, into the world and coming into the, into the self, um, the, the green kind of has the same ebb and flow, right? The love going out, the love coming back in, being centrally focused, which you need a balance of. Mm. For any, right, for any relational dynamic to be healthy, you'd need that balance of the self-love coupled with the love for other. Yeah. So, so I guess my, with all of these things in mind, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of a lot, but with all these things in mind, then my next question would be, where are you in your waking life? Where are you in alignment with your heart center? 
and your heart's desires? That would be the first question that I would ask. Mm -hmm. And then the second question would be, where are you out of alignment in that space and in that center? Not in terms of a judgment or a deficiency or a dysfunction, right? But where, when I say alignment, what I mean is, um, where are you tuning in and where are you taking action? Now this is the life coach <laughs> piece coming in. Where, right, where are you tuning into those elements of the dreams and where are you taking action then in your waking life to make sure that whatever's going on in that heart center is manifest? Mm -hmm. Because I would say that, and, and you let me know if this resonates because I may be projecting, but I would wonder if that, that older woman is another facet of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure she is. Okay. <laughs> um, and what's actually coming to me as I listen to you say all of that is that yellow is sort of skipped over. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, my attention is drawn into that space. And I, so I said, this dream is a few months old. It's actually from last September. Okay. And I was about to have surgery. I was about to have oh. surgery on my abdomen and mm. for sure, that is an experience of being in the passenger seat, which in, in yeah. a really vulnerable way, like I'm definitely, my life is in someone else's hands, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm reflecting back to that. And it's like, I feel, I do feel aligned with my heart, mm -hmm. but I think, especially at that time, there was this base, like very base level question of survival. Mm -hmm. at hand and how, and so the surgery would have been, I guess, in the more yellow area, right? Is that more the mm -hmm. solar plexus? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so was I, was that just kind of wasn't, was that the part that wasn't fully lined up? Like that part of me was um, mm -hmm. disconnected mm -hmm. in some way. So that mm -hmm. doesn't really go to either of the questions you just asked, but <laughs> that's what's coming mm -hmm. up. Um, no, that's great. And, yeah. and, you know, for everybody, it's different, right? when I coach, I mean, my job is to ask the questions and then provide just a, a point of inquiry, not necessarily yeah. to provide all the, the conclusions, although I may have some ideas, right, of the meaning. Um, that's not exclusively the point of it. So it's interesting what you say is that yellow is skipped over because we have the tulips, the red and the orange, and then we have the tree branches, which is the green. Um, we don't see yellow, um, but we don't, I don't see blue. I mean, maybe if you had looked up, right, you would have seen blue in the sky. We don't see purple, right. um, which is the crown chakra. But when we look at yellow, yellow is really about, um, it can be your individual expression. It can, that's, yellow crosses into a power center. That is when we get into interpersonal dynamics, that's often where we power struggle with other people is through the solar plexus, mm. right? Whereas the orange, the second chakra is more at the individual level. The third chakra is more at the relational level, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, it can be planning and organization. It can be like flexibility and adaptability in terms of that power center, right? So mm -hmm. when, I, when I think of the chakras as a system, I think of the lower three as like, those are all related to the physical. Uh -huh. And then the upper three are related to, you know, the metaphysical or the intuition and um, how we marry those two is really through the heart and the center, right? Yeah. So, so some of them can cross over in their characteristics a little bit, I think, depending on the context, but they do have their unique characteristics. Um, as well. So, so for you, that makes sense to me what you're saying about the surgery, right. And having, having to entrust someone, mm -hmm. you know, with your survival for sure. Um, 
I would also wonder, well, you said you were driving your childhood home and yeah. um, past the elementary school and, you know, did that stir anything? Like when you woke up, were you thinking, was there something, a memory or anything that was triggered by that, that element of the dream? Maybe the being in the passenger seat feels more like that time in life, you know, mm-hmm. before I could choose where to go when and drive myself there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, down that road between home and elementary school, well, I probably would have been in the back seat, even not the passenger yeah. seat. Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, that really goes into like the third chakra, right? And, and having the ability to have a personal choice to not feel mm-hmm. entangled with the dynamics of others, right? So <clears throat> I would say, not just in the context of the, the surgery, but also I would say, okay, were there any revelations after the surgery that occurred? Hmm. I mean, I would say that that surgery was eventually about me getting back to an integrated sense of power and capability in my own body, like repairing damage so that I could fully function again. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this older woman who vaguely reminds me of someone, like, I just don't think she's very competent you know, not just in the dream, but even my impression of this person from waking life, like, yeah. So it, so I think it, this is all kind of coming together. It's that, that mm-hmm. sense of um, being capable and being empowered and being able to be behind the wheel and. Um, and feel confident that you don't have to duck down and hide <laughs> instead of getting whipped in the face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that would be the goal of that scenario, right. Or of that particular dynamic. Yeah. Um, so going forward, then the question for you would be like, you know, where can you, where can you make it evident to yourself that you're aligning with that empowerment holistically, inclusive of your physical body Mm -hmm. and how can you maintain that going forward? Right. If this dream shows kind of like a, a little snapshot of a moment when, you were feeling maybe like um, there was not an integrated sense of power and capability, right, in your body. Then, mm-hmm. going forward, how are you embodying that and committing to embodying that as you go forward, right? Yeah. So that the next time you have the dream, it's you in the driver's seat and the older woman is not there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she's now competent, and it's totally okay for me to be in the passenger seat. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Tra- totally transformed. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, good yeah. question. I, I like your question. I will hold it. And, <laughs> and yeah, and it feels so physical too. this dream. And, you know, as we're talking about the solar plexus and like that posture of being hunched over, it's the posture that they tell you to take, you know, if you're if the plane's going to have a water landing, right? right? Like, yeah, that totally crunches that yellow part, you know? So, yeah. 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 And so, so, but when you're in that, it's almost like going back to the fetal position. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're kind of covering your head and you're balling up. And what happens then is your heart chakra, right? That's at the center of that. Mm -hmm. You're, You're like the, I think of it as like the armadillo shell or like one of those little, what did we used to call them? Um, those little beetle bugs. We call oh, we called them roly polies. Yes, what they were. we did too. Roly polies. Those little right, and you touch it and it rolls up in a ball. Yeah, but it has like that that hardened sort of exoskeleton that was like an accordion almost that would come out, 
Yep. You know, that, it, that's the same sort of movement that the body was making in this dream. But the heart is at the center of that. So there's an element of protection of the heart there too, you know. Yeah. So I think that if, if you digged a little bit deeper, if we went into it a little bit deeper, I think there would be a couple of other layers in there too. But yeah, um, I think that this is good, a good starting place and good awareness for sure. Yeah, that's great. I, I agree. I always find that there, there are as many layers as you want to take the time to go into. Um, I like the getting a taste of how you think about the colors. Yeah. I think it's all very integrated. I don't, I don't see things as always. And that's the creative part, right? Going back to that idea of the creativity is that there's a synthesis that's happening. Um, and all of these things are interrelated if we are willing to, to look at them. Yeah. And do you associate creative energy with one of the colors or one of the chakras in particular? Creative energy is interesting. Um, I would not necessarily pinpoint it to just one because sometimes when you get into that expansive place, you're looking at multiples working together synergistically. Um, some people would say, oh, it's the throat chakra, which is also your area of expression. Some people would say, well, no, it, it is the root or the second chakra because that's what, what you're bringing in, right, from your, that place of empowerment. But I really look at it as a, as a bigger dynamic that can function on multiple levels at one time. So sometimes like, for instance, um, the solar plexus might work with the throat chakra in terms of if someone is, let's say someone is having a difficult interpersonal relationship and they're feeling like they don't really have a voice in something. Um, that can be an expansive creative synergy that happens when someone is empowered to speak up for themselves, right? Yeah. Or, right. So, so, I mean, that's just one example, but, um, I, I find that they work more synergistically rather than to isolate just one or the other. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's not just, I mean, I've heard, you know, creative energy and sexual energy being sort of, um, two forms of that second chakra expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see where that that's a big piece of it, but I love what you're pointing out. I mean, personal empowerment and voice and expression are all gonna, I mean, our whole, our whole lives are creativity, right? Or can be. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, it, so it's highly contextualized. And if you think of it in terms of like, when people talk about the Kundalini or energy moving through your body, right, it's moving up from the root up through the crown and it, you can cycle it through. And when you get adept at working with energy, you can move the energy consciously, right? But typically the natural uh, movement is from the root up. And so when that energy moves, like where, are the, what, like, how can I say it? What points are, are being kind of hit by this energy, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say you have an imbalance or something, right? And this energy comes through. Is the energy rebalancing? Is it getting stuck in one area? Where is it stuck? And how is that impacting the others? So I think you still have to look holistically in that context to say, okay, wait a minute. Like here's this creative energy and the, the proponent of it is the movement, right? Mm-hmm. Is being able to move and being able to move that energy through. And it kind of completes its own cycle in a way, if you think of it that way. And if something does get stuck, then that's an area of awareness to be had. Why is it getting stuck in that particular place? And is there more than one stuck place? And how can we move it through, right? Yeah. So it becomes very, um, 
it becomes very specific. It becomes very individual, even though we look at it in terms of themes, right? The themes of the, the yellow and the red and the, right? We sort of have these archetypes or these categories that we look at, but then we're looking at the bigger dynamic. And I think that's why too, I bring all of this in, in terms of, you know, the, kind of the creative writing piece and the characterology of these people who are in these stories, right? Because really dreams, when we look at it, they're not really much different than story in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And part of creating when you're on the creative writing side of things is, is part of it is, you know, you have to create a believable world so much so that any reader who picks up that work or picks up that book is totally enthralled and believes that it's real with every inch of their being. Yeah. So, right. So there's, there's an understanding, I think of these dynamics that is helpful when you begin looking at creative writing from, from some of these lenses. And I think that's why they marry well in the context of like, let, you know, let's create a new story. So when I teach the workshop, it's, it's like, we look at these chakras, we look at the archetypes, we look at the, um, the broad base pattern of the hero's journey. And then we start getting into, you know, character dynamics and how these things and how these people, how these dynamics relate and how they play out. And then how these people then are, you know, the actors that are playing out the dynamics. It gets Mm -hmm. really interesting. It's so interesting what you say about making something believable, you know, because sort of the, the mythological stories and oftentimes the dreams, they're, they're not realistic, you know, they're, they're totally unrealistic, but they're so true at the same time. They right. are, they're bringing forth, you know, the most true thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know um, if you want to comment on that, but it, it's just interesting to think about that difference between trying to be believable and to get to these sort of archetypal mythic levels of story. You know, I think they mirror each other. And I think that goes back to why I have that diagram of, that kind of looks like a double helix because we have this character arc or the story arc. I mean, we can look at it as a fractal or a macro micro thing, right? We look at the character arc versus the story arc, the totality of it. And then we have the character arc and the story arc of the dream. And they are like mirror images, you know? It's yeah. like a gestalt almost, the ink yeah. blot. <laughs> you fold it open and, you know, the story is on the left and the dream is on the right or vice versa. Yeah. And so I think when, when you're creating from the creative writing standpoint, um, really the drive always, even though we're, you're, you're trying to create a believable world that, that a reader can enter and be totally enveloped in, you know, what you're really creating that, the purpose of that world, I should say, is to say what those deeper truths are. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the greatest literature, right? Is like, where are those universal truths? So that's what we look for. I think when we look for good story, when we look for relatable story when we look for those stories that are memorable it's because there's always an element of of truth in life and so I think what you're saying is exactly that Mm -hmm. the dream gives the truth yeah the the story is is the telling of the story Mm -hmm. in which the truth is embedded so it's digestible yeah yeah so for for the writers who are listening or for the people who would love to write, but maybe haven't really dove in yet. Um, And maybe for writers who feel like they are in a phase of creative blockage or just kind of looking for a new inspiration, do you have any invitation maybe for a way to engage with their dreams or any advice on how the dreams and the colors could 
support them? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step is always just committing to a practice of journaling. You know, if you can journal your dream and get into that practice, that is a writing exercise, mm-hmm. right? In and of itself. If, that is if you use a notebook instead of a computer, which most people, I think, if you're journaling your dreams, you usually have something at your bedside and you're, you know, jotting down some quick notes and then maybe going back to it later to fill in a longer explanation. Yeah. Um, but I think making the commitment to doing that on a regular basis is really important. And that's where, that's where I think people see the patterns emerge, you know, the longer term patterns of like, okay, now I see where my hero's journey is going because I can see over the course of these three or five or 10 dreams, these are the themes that I'm working out. And these are the, these are the ideas that I'm transforming, or these are the feelings that I'm exploring. And so I yeah. think it becomes very evident if you commit to it and do it regularly. Yeah. And then you have to go back and read them and watch for that, mm-hmm. that story to unfold. Yeah. Yep. Great. Okay. Well, that's excellent advice. I also encourage people to write things down. And even like you said, just notes, even, you know, there are times when um, I just promise myself that over these next two very busy weeks, I will only write down the colors that I saw, or I will at mm-hmm. least write down the colors or I will at least write down the characters or mm-hmm. something, you know, to sort yep. of catch that thread. Yep. I always say, always include, at least with a color piece, when you're making the notes, always include every color that you see and where, where it's placed, mm-hmm. you know, for you, like the tulips or for, you know, my client's example, the skin color, you know, that's yeah. important to the context as well. So yeah. yeah, definitely include that. All right. Well, fantastic, Kelly. Thank you for all of this. Um, before we wrap up, if anyone wants to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do or see your books, where's the best place to find you online? Sure. Um, my website is just kellylydick.com, K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-D-I-C-K. And, you know, people are free to, to drop me a line at any time. And it's just kelly at kellylydick.com. Okay, great. I'll, I'll put a link to your website in our show notes so everyone can find you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. That was fun. Thank you for listening. As promised, I want to share a little bit more with you about that dream which I titled Fire Tulips. After we stopped recording, Kelly shared with me that she was curious about some deeper exploration of this dream at the heart level with the green color and also that posture that closes and protects around the heart. She mentioned the armadillo shape of that. And if you heard two episodes ago, the highlights from the Dreamers Den membership community bonus episodes, I talked about having a dream of an armadillo and I never would have connected that rounded protective posture with the armadillo if Kelly hadn't mentioned that. So that was a good question, the heart protection and why am I curled up like that? Kelly was also asking me, you know, does the older woman want to be in the driver's seat? And I was wondering, why am I avoiding these trees and these gorgeous, enormous red and orange tulips? Because whenever something is being avoided in a dream or some other character or force is driving me towards something that I want to avoid, that feels really interesting and important. And for me, this ended up coming back to what Kelly said really early in our conversation, which is the earth is always speaking to us. And the question is, are we listening? So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or working dreams with me, you know how much I both love plants and trees and the places life is thriving on earth. 
and how passionate I am about the possibility right now for humanity to make this great turning toward a life-sustaining way of living on this planet together. So at this point, I feel like this dream is asking me, in what ways am I still riding in the passenger seat, like an elementary school-aged child, participating in this older way of driving that I don't fully trust, which has me ducking away from the pretty obvious, enormous, and gorgeous messages of the non-human life that I'm passing by too quickly. I know that I do live closer to the living earth in the sense of being near the wilderness and spending time out in wild nature and growing food closer than many do, but I absolutely am still rushing and ducking a lot more than I'd like to, and I know that I'm missing a lot of messages. I feel like this dream is also asking me to ask, what part of me is this older woman in the driver's seat? Is old, not in the sense of how I will be old, like she is old in the future, but old as in past, and what old ways of driving are metaphorically behind the wheel in my life. And as I explored this dream in the online forum for the Dreamer's Den members, I came to really see the importance of that sense of being disoriented and feeling unprepared in the way that the woman driving is disoriented and unprepared to be driving and the Leilani self in the dream is disoriented by being in the passenger seat. And also how she would be a way actually for me to contact these things. So at the same time that I'm looking at her as an old way that's behind the wheel, there's also this way in which her way, her kind of less skillful, slightly unprepared way of driving is bringing me closer to contact with the qualities of the trees and the tulips and the wood energy and the green leaves there and the heart energy through the lens of looking at green through the chakras and bringing me closer to the fire element of the red and the orange and the first and second chakras. So how can I go ahead and let her be at the wheel and not be so careful about our distance? You know, let us not have great distance from these things and go ahead and make contact with them. So this isn't a dream where I'm coming away with a real concrete aha, oh, this is what I need to change or this is my new realization or anything like that, but it's giving me this felt sense of holding the question, these two ways of moving through the world, the one represented by the older woman driving and the one by the aspect of me that doesn't know how to be in the passenger seat and curls up armadillo style and the tulips and the trees and those qualities.